Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, welcome to the Spill Your Snackable Daily podcast where we talk about everything entertainment every day. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick and I'm Mamma Mia's entertainment editor. And I'm Key Reese from Mamma Mia's influencer agency called Social Squad. And to be honest, Laura, I am still on a high from yesterday after going to the SBS Upfronts. I know it was such an amazing event, not just because of the amazing food and wine, but because of all the good shows that are coming out. And also, I'm in the background of the picture that Ben Law, Justine Clark, and Joel Creasy posted to Instagram. <gasps> the top of my head, I look confused because I couldn't find my seat, but I saw it all over Instagram today. I'm like, that's the most famous I've ever been. We need to repost that to our Insta <laughs> stories. On the show today, the new Charlie's Angels has tanked at the box office. So why has this ignited such controversy around female-made films? She said the reason that it flopped was because men don't watch action movies with female leads. Elizabeth, you rebooted a very famous and successful female-led action movie. And Amelia Clark became a star thanks to Game of Thrones. So why did she feel so uncomfortable on set? But to kick off the show today, the biggest event of the year happened not last night, but it aired last night. The Married at First couple, Cam Merchant and Jules Cameron, wed in real life over the weekend and the wedding special aired last night on Channel 10's A Current Affair. So for those of you who don't know and have maybe never seen maths, which I think Laura is one of them, Jules and Cam met at the altar 12 months ago as part of the social experiment where they had been matched up by the show's love and relationship experts. So they ended up hitting it off and fell in love in front of our eyes on the TV. It was actually quite sweet. Fast forward 12 months and they were getting married in real life. It's been a long time coming, a lot of controversy in the news in the lead up to the event as well. Yeah, and all that controversy paid off though because it was the most watched entertainment program last night, which I think goes to show as much as people were kind of ragging on them for having a sponsored wedding and there was so much controversy between past cast members and between other media outlets. At the end of the day, everyone wanted to see these two have, I guess it's a real wedding, but there's still a lot of questions around whether they actually wanted to get married or they were just doing it for the $75,000 contract that they had with the network to air the lead up and the actual wedding. I mean, definitely a bit of both, but I think... No one can deny how in love they are. I know they're a little bit like sickly in love. Are but they? Okay, sure. I no, look, I have so. watched the show. I'll defer to you for that part. I've yes. only got the stats here. But I mean, they definitely are in love, and I think that's very clear. They're both kind of quite mushy people and believe in that fairy tale romance, which I think if you're not really on that kind of wavelength, you won't really get it. But it was still weird. I mean, televising your wedding has to be weird. I think the weirdest part for me was the fact that it was on a current affair. I still don't really understand. And then that's Sylvia Jeffries, the esteemed journalist, had to like tag along to their different things. So it started off with her doing the venue walkthrough, doing the taste testing, but not going to the pens and the bucks, thank God, because she is 
pregnant, quite, quite yeah, pregnant. Yeah, they had right three now. different reporters all for, like in the lead up to the day following different parts, and Sylvia was a big part of that. And then they also had so many Channel 9 celebrities and people going in because obviously it was all like, you had to sign so many release forms. Every guest that was there had to sign a lot of forms. They weren't allowed to post to social media of the day. I think there's like actually like a two week embargo now from posting even after the, it oh, had really? aired just to keep everything focused. There on must be a that. magazine deal as well. Oh, then. I'm sure there's a lot more sponsored content to come. But yeah, watching Sylvia do the walkthrough because you could see that she was pointing out little bits and pieces to the audience that they really wanted you to notice that you might not have picked up on. Like they had one of the biggest expenses I was reading was that they had all those walls covered in the hand peeled roses. Yes. I think they had to peel a rose to open it, but apparently they did. And there's one point where Sylvia goes to the camera, is that a hand peeled rose? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, it took 2.5 minutes to unpeel each rose. So there you go. What a fun fact. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying today that that was quite clear, the different brands that had sponsored and they kind of said it was overkill, but I didn't really think it was that much overkill, to be honest. I think that it was pretty even. And to be honest, if you're going to be doing it on television, you have to oh, expect yeah, it was some a money making endeavor. So of course they're going to make money. I'd rather than be upfront about what's been sponsored, which was pretty much everything. But um, I understand there was a lot of drama around the bridesmaids from the show in the lead up to the event. Yes. So former friend Melissa Lucarelli, who also was a co-star on Maths, she dated or I guess married Dino. It didn't work out for them, but they were quite friendly, her and Jules and Cam after the show. But a couple of weeks ago, Mel hit out and said that she had been dumped via text from Jules as being a bridesmaid. So that has all kind of been all over the press in the lead up to it with um, Mel even going on social media to kind of further those rumours of a breakup. But Jules did address it. So the reporter who was on the hens with her kind of brought that up. And she said in response to that, that all that matters is my nearest and dearest are here right now. She then pulled up her other MAFS co-star, Heidi Latcham on FaceTime and said, she's my bridesmaid. I love that woman, which was also really weird. So she kind of addressed it, didn't really, a bit of a backhanded kind of comment. Because on the Married at First Sight reunion special, just trying to, for people like me who haven't watched it, she asked both Heidi and Melissa to be yes, her bridesmaid. she did. And I remember that was a big talking point at the time. And then they're saying that was all part of the, just the publicity stunt for the show. And it was never a real, like none of them are actually friends in real life. I did see that the producers had tried to kind of set a few of them so they'd put Nick and Cyrell together at the reception and had a camera like on them. The producers had set that up, hoping there would be some drama between them for the wedding, but it didn't really pan out like that. But it just Not goes to all. show that it was a whole, it was just a dramatised affair. It was, but I think it was quite sweet. I, I think it's still really it's such weird. such a hopeless romantic. I love it. I just think it was like, like quite beautiful nice. sponsored televised wedding. No, 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 no. Bit of sad news. Over the weekend, the new Charlie's Angels movie actually tanked at the box office. So the film, which we endorsed last week and still stand by, I'll let you know. Oh, of course we stand by it. Oh, always. Stars Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott and Ella Belinska. And it was projected to gross $13 million domestically in the US, but it came in well under grossing only $8.35 million US against a reported $48 million budget. So we've kind of had a chat about this. We still stand by as, again, that we really like the movie. 
So, Laura, why do you think a movie like this from such a great and well-loved franchise failed? There's a lot of things going into this. And the fact that so many um, film commentators have called it a franchise eviscerating opening, which just means it's it's dead on arrival. They're pulling it from, you know, it's been pulled from different places. There's not going to be a sequel, all those kinds of things. There's There's been a lot of talk around how this is going to affect female-led films in the future because, as we've talked about before, there is a real domino effect with these things in Hollywood that if one female-led movie tanks, it can lead to all the others that are in, are in like pre-production being cancelled. It's like when we talked to the director of Last Christmas and Bridesmaids, Paul Feig, on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he said that when he was making Bridesmaids, all the other female-led films in the comedy genre were on hold to see how that did because no one wanted to press go on those until that one was successful. So going into this, Elizabeth Banks, who's obviously the writer, producer, director and star of it, which she recently said, if you're going to have your name on a movie and it tanks, you might as well have it there four times, which I feel bad for her. But um, she said um, people have to buy tickets to this movie. This movie has to make money. If this movie doesn't make money, it reinforces a stereotype in Hollywood that men don't go to see women in action films. Which then started a whole other thing because then she also gave an interview in the kind of lead up to the film saying um, targeting movies like Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel, both from DC and Marvel, who actually did make a lot of money. And she said, but people only go and see those because they are a male genre. They'll go and see them because they're part of this larger world that's shot through a male gaze and they're all about building up male characters. So now that's kind of ignited this whole debate around what people will actually go and see. I think what Elizabeth Banks is saying has some truth to it, but I also think you can't move past the fact that they didn't have star power in the leading roles. And I honestly don't want to think that that has a big deal to play in it. But when you're doing a a new movie of a franchise and you're trying to attract a younger audience... They don't really know much about the Charlie's Angels franchise. Like, I think that it was a 70s franchise that came out and had all this nostalgia. It really hit for probably our generation. But for younger generations who are trying to push into cinemas, I don't think it resonated with them because it didn't have the draw card there. I think they needed younger people with a bit more clout to really pull people in. Like, Kristen Stewart has been doing indie movies since Twilight. The other two are relatively newcomers. I think they just needed that little bit more. Even, like, Drew Barrymore, who um, obviously starred in the 2000s re boot um, and then went on obviously to try to bring it back to the small screen but it failed she could have gone out there like she's got a big name and big star power I feel like they could have just done a bit more to give it a bit of a push. Oh, see, I think I think I really disagree with that because Elizabeth Banks has a track record of launching huge billion dollar franchises like she did with Pitch Perfect with a no-name cast. Like Anna Kendrick didn't have the following that she has now at the time. Anna Camp, Britney Snow, even Rebel Wilson was that was her breakout role in the US and that movie did a huge amount of money and was so successful off a smaller name cast. I actually think it comes down to the fact that so many people, we've seen this before where movies get bombed in the pre-campaign. Like, the same thing happened to Captain Marvel. That's why they're shutting down at the moment all these um, movie sites where people can go on and rate the movie before it's released because people were saying they didn't want to see a movie that was, you know, targeting men because there's no love interest in it. They didn't want to see a movie with, like, they called the women ugly. They hated the fact that Christian Stewart is gay. It's the same reason people didn't want to see Batwoman with Ruby Rose in it because they're saying they don't want to see a female-led TV show with a gay character where men aren't a part of it. So, again, people say, like, don't make it a gender thing, but I feel like it is a gender thing. I just think, like, there is something off here, as you're saying, with the marketing and how these movies are being sold 
all. But I think there is this push at the moment that people don't want this idea of they're happy to talk about being woke and feminism and female-led projects, but when it comes to actually paying money to see them, that's when the snark happens and the backlash happens. So I don't know. I think you and I should go and buy tickets to see Charlie's Angels next week just to be supportive because we didn't buy our tickets and I think I would definitely see this movie again. I feel like we just need to give them out to all of our fans out there. (laughs) Who wants to come to the movies with Keen Eye? Let's set a time. In Sydney, we'll all go see Charlie's Angels together. I mean, this was back in the day, so now things are different. Now things are very, very, very different and I'm a lot more savvy about what I'm comfortable with and what I am okay with doing. Like I've had fights on set before where I'm like, no, she stays up. And they're like, you don't want to disappoint your Game of Thrones fans. And I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actress Amelia Clarke, who famously played Daenerys Targaryen in HBO's Game of Thrones, sat down this week with fellow actor Dax Shepard on his Armchair Expert podcast. And she really spoke candidly about the nudity required in her role as Daenerys early on and something she hadn't agreed to in advance, admitting that she felt quite uncomfortable and was coerced into doing so as to not disappoint the fans. So this is pretty big and I think it's going to upset a lot of fans, but it was kind of heartbreaking to hear what she went through during that time. Yeah, it was, I think because she is such a megastar now and she has so much more clout and kind of, and she's spoken a lot in the past about how she had a lot more say in what Daenerys did in later seasons and the fact that she had clauses about nudity put into her contract. But I think looking back at that time, you've got to kind of remember the position she was in. So the actress who had played the part before her in the pilot episode of Game of Thrones had been fired for not being right for the role and for not fulfilling the requirements. So Amelia was already brought in as a replacement and told that if she also didn't fulfil the role and the requirements, which we now know was excessive nudity, that she too would be replaced. And she'd also been trying to get a job as an actress for such a long time. She was working in a call centre. And I very much understand being on a TV set with your dream job and knowing that the only thing standing between you and a career is refusing to take your clothes off. So I really understand why she did it. Oh, absolutely. She was 23 at the time and it was her first acting, proper acting gig from art school. And it just goes to show when you're in that position how little voice or um pool you think you have as a new actress. And I think that what she was saying about working with Jason Momoa, who obviously at the time played her on screen, well, rapist turned love of, that's a whole different story, yeah. <laughs> um, Carl Drogo, who w- had a lot more experience than her on set and really saw the difference between how they really worked to preserve his modesty and make him feel comfortable as the male and as the more recognised name on set and how they didn't to her. And she said, he actually said to her, this isn't right, like this isn't how things should work. And that's the first time anyone had ever said to her that she did have a voice to push back. Yeah, and that whole series, she had the most sex scenes out of any character in that first series. So that just goes to show something because that was quite a sexy first series for the franchise. And they think they really tried to kind of play into that whole fanboy role and saying to her that if she didn't, because obviously Daenerys in the books, there's a lot of different um, passages there about her body and her sex scenes and, and her nudity and stuff. So they were saying to her, like, if you don't take your clothes off and if you don't show your breasts in front of the camera and if you don't do these really violent sex scenes, you're letting the fans down and you're letting the show down and pretty much they were saying to her that the show would tank if she wasn't naked in front of the camera even though she was very uncomfortable with it. It's quite interesting. Obviously she's hugely successful now and she feels more empowered to speak up but I think an interview like the one she did with Dax Shepard on Armchair Expert and you should definitely go listen to the full interview because she just says so much amazing stuff in there really shows what a precarious situation 
female stars are in in Hollywood. And the fact that you can be playing a role that requires it of you, but there's still this like slut shaming or this like weird feeling around female nudity and it's your job to portray this kind of character. I feel for her, but she's killing it now. So she had the last laugh. Thank you for listening to The Spill today. You can get in contact with us by emailing us at thespill at mamamia.com.au. Did you know we have a daily newsletter for everything celebrity and entertainment for our best stories of the day straight into your inbox every evening? Go to mamamia.com.au forward slash newsletter and sign up to Mamma Mia Celebrity. And while you're listening to today's episode, remember to subscribe. That way you'll never miss an episode. And if you have time, leave us a review. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. The Spill is produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.